0: This episode of the Holly Field Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Scratch Labs. To save 20% off your Scratch Labs order, you can use code HOLLY20, which is H-O-L-L-E-Y 2-0 at checkout using the link in the show notes. Hey, everyone. I am Holly Samuel, and I am your host today. I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and I'm a fellow runner as well. And on today's episode, we are doing something a little bit different here. We're doing a re-release of a previous episode that is kind of buried in the archives from a few years ago. Um, And also, as some of you may know, the podcast and my company in general did undergo a rebrand. So I'm trying to bring back some of these episodes with the new name. And also, they're still, you know, good content. So um, we are resurfacing an episode today from 2021. So if you are new here, this is going to be brand new information. If you are an avid listener and have been around since the very beginning, oh my gosh, I love you so, so much. And I have since learned a lot about podcasting. Hopefully the quality of the show has improved over time. And if you think it has, please leave me a five-star rating and review in the podcast host of your choice. That would be amazing. I would really appreciate it. But If you have listened to this episode before, this is still probably going to be good to hear again. Um, I find that actually not just me, there's been research that shows um, that listening to things and repeating things about eight times minimum is how long it takes for us to actually learn them. Um, So on today's episode, which is a resurfaced episode, we're going to be covering carb loading and taper nutrition, which I know, I think I released this as a part of a fall race series back in 2021. But Hey, also super relevant for spring race season, right? So that's why I wanted to launch this episode because I know we are on the brink of. A lot of big races coming up. We got London Marathon, Boston Marathon. We got a lot of spring races um, that I know my clients are training for, and you probably are too. So, whenever you're listening to this, if you are in need of taper nutrition and carb loading information, look no further, share this with a friend, tag me at Hollyfield Nutrition on social media, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today we're gonna be covering um, a highly highly sought out topic, um, which is taper nutrition. So we're gonna be talking all about um, how to kind of adjust your nutrition during your taper, what things to consider in the days leading up to your goal race, Um, And how to carbo load properly if you should carbo load properly and other things to think about. So again, just as a disclaimer, um, while I am a registered dietitian, I am not necessarily your registered dietitian or healthcare provider or coach unless we are, of course, working together and you're also listening to my voice on this podcast, you just must like me if that's the case. Um, so just make sure that you are reviewing any of these general recommendations with your dietitian or with your um, healthcare provider prior to implementing them if you have questions focused on you specifically. So let's get into taper nutrition. So first off, what even is the taper? <laughs> so when we're talking about a traditional taper period. It generally talks about the time period between your peak week of your um, training plan and that time period leading up to your race. So Typically for a marathon, um, the taper period about three weeks long for a half marathon. It's about two weeks long. And then for some of your shorter distances, like 5k, 10k, or goal mile race, it's, um, one week or even just a couple of days. So the taper period can kind of vary, um, just to keep things consistent across the board. We're mostly going to be talking about, um, the full marathon in this episode, um, and the half marathon as well. So, when it comes to the purpose of a traditional taper, the purpose is typically to allow your body to recover. So if you've listened to other episodes in my fall race season series, um, you know that hay is in the barn You know, after your peak week of training. And while we can't really put more hay in the barn leading up to your race, we can definitely sabotage ourselves. So the taper is definitely not a time period where we want to try and test our fitness or gain more fitness because it's not really possible to do. And our main focus should be on recovery. It should be on increasing our glycogen stores, especially for races that are gonna be uh, longer than two to two and a half hours plus. And we're gonna do this by strategically decreasing our mileage over the course of the taper period and by implementing some specific nutrition strategies, which is of course what we'll talk about today. So. Your taper should primarily be focused on recovering from your training and getting you in the best, you know, form possible for race day. It should not be about gaining any fitness or testing your fitness or doing anything out of the ordinary. So, throughout your training cycle, um if you've kind of fine-tuned your nutrition for that based off of what's recommended, you should find that, you know, you're getting adequate calories to feel your training and that about 45 to 65% of those calories are coming from carbohydrates and you're adjusting your meals based off of what training you're either completing that day or planning to complete the next day or recovering from, from the day before. We're not going to get too much in the nitty gritty of that since this is about taper nutrition, but that's what your body should essentially be used to. You should have trained your gut throughout training to tolerate this and to get you feeling your best. So when it comes to taper nutrition, we can make some slight tweaks that aren't going to feel too drastic. Um, If you're coming into this episode and you're like, oh, I definitely haven't figured out my nutrition. I definitely don't know if I'm eating enough. I don't know if my carb intake is enough and you're not sure, now's not really necessarily the time to drastically change anything of what you're doing. Um, But know that what I do say about taper nutrition in the days leading up to your race can be applied to you. Um, You know, even if you've never practiced it before, but you should have practiced it in your peak weeks of training, especially so that you already know what you're doing. So if you're listening to this in your peak weeks of training, start practicing these recommendations now so you can fine tune it for race week. So essentially we're not necessarily increasing our calories or changing what we're doing from a fueling standpoint around the taper. What we are doing is making sure that in the days leading up to your race, especially, um, that more of those calories like 65 to even 75% plus are coming from carbohydrates. So we're not necessarily eating more food, but, we are eating more food from carbohydrates. And we're changing the composition of our meals to support this, Um, especially in the two to three days pre-race for something that's going to take you two, two and a half hours plus. Or if you're maybe running a half marathon, that's like, you know, sub two, two and a half hours. Um, This could even just be the day before your race. But males, females of all categories and all phases of their cycles can practice proper carbo loading. So To start with this, um, about two to three days before a marathon or one to two days before a half marathon, just generally speaking, is when we're going to want to start carbo loading, which is going to be basically increasing your carb intake to 10 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight. So if we are a 150-pound person, we're going to divide 150 pounds by 2.2 to get our pounds into kilograms. And then we're going to multiply that by 10 and then by 12. And that is your range. So that is essentially, you know, 544 to 816 grams of carbohydrates in the two to three days pre-race. So that's about 12 bagels worth of carbohydrates. So just to put that into context for 150 pound person on average, that might be a lot more carbohydrates than you're used to eating. So that's why it's really good to practice in order to make these guidelines fit. And of course, we are carbo-loading to top off our glycogen stores, which are really needed for events that are going to last longer than two hours, like the half and full marathon for a lot of people. Unless you're like Elliot Kipchoge, then maybe this doesn't apply, (laughs) but he still carbo-loads. So. From a glycogen standpoint, glycogen is essentially stored carbohydrate in our bodies that our liver and our muscles store. Uh, The average person, now this varies a little bit, but the average person has about 2,000 calories of stored glycogen in their liver and muscles throughout their body. And for every one gram of glycogen we store, we store it with about three grams of water. So If your glycogen stores are totally topped off, which is what we want them to be like in proper taper nutrition leading up to your race, you might feel like a little fluffy. You might feel like your muscles are a little less defined. You might be feeling like a a jet sitting super heavy on the tarmac because it's super loaded up with fuel. And this is actually a good thing. So during your taper, it's really not a good idea to be obsessed with the scale. It's really not a good idea to be weighing yourself, expecting to lose weight definitely not the time for a caloric deficit. You will absolutely shoot yourself in the foot, whether it's during your race or in an injury after your race, if you try to attempt that. And it is the time to focus on recovery. When our bodies are in a phase of deep healing during the taper, where we're really recovering from all that training we did, trying to heal ourselves up before a race, um, a lot of the times people might feel like phantom pains or um, other aches and pains, and just feel really tired, and that's a sign that your body's trying to heal itself. When your body is trying to heal itself on a deeper perspective, where maybe it has more time to do this during the taper, because we have backed off the mileage a little bit. Um, this may come with, you know, some inflammation, which you know can lead to water weight gain. We're trying to top off our glycogen stores, or we're also retaining water and gaining a couple pounds there. It can cause someone to really freak out (laughs) when they step on the scale during the taper and think, oh my God, I reduced my mileage. You know, I need to, I need to really up the ante or I'm gaining weight. And that's, that's actually okay. So don't worry too much about weight changes during the taper, unless of course you're losing a lot of weight, then that's not good either. So recommend just, you know, I usually recommend anyway, staying away from the scale, but especially during the taper, it's a good idea to stay away from the scale. Um, so when we come back to carbo loading, you know, again, we can maximize how much glycogen our bodies are capable of storing, um, over proper carbo loading during our training. So if you've never practiced this before, um, you know, you may not quite have a large enough cup to store that 2000 plus calories of glycogen. Um, when we kind of practice this consistently over the course of our peak weeks of training, this allows our bodies to essentially have deeper pockets when it comes to how much glycogen we can store. So it is important to practice to really maximize this. And that's why you can feel a little extra fluffy on race day because your body's storing more glycogen than maybe it's been capable of storing in the past. So doing this too um, in our training really allows us to make sure that our body's comfortable eating that many carbohydrates. We're maybe strategizing where those carbs are coming from. maybe we're using higher glycemic sources sometimes so lower fiber sources so that we're not experiencing too much GI distress or that we're not filling up too early because of the fiber before we've met our needs. Um, so this is where you know more processed foods sometimes like you know your refined grains, Um, You know, cereals, white breads, white rices, um, those can actually be helpful when it comes to carbo loading, because we can eat more of them and get down that, you know, five to 800 grams a little bit easier um, than trying to get it through fruits and vegetables um, and whole grains that just contain a lot of fiber and can make it really challenging. Something I've been doing with a lot of my clients in the past few weeks is having them practice their you know, carbo loading fueling strategy before some of their peak long runs in the day or two leading up to that long run. Um, and I will kind of have them, you know, tell me, tell me everything that they plan to eat. That's going to be more carb rich for their breakfast, their lunch, their dinner, their snacks, their fluids, um, based off of their carb needs. So if I said, Hey, you know, you need 600 grams to probably, probably properly can't talk 600 grams of carbs to properly carbo load. For your 20 mile or tomorrow so where are you going to get 600 grams of carbohydrates we need to really make sure that your meals and snacks are primarily carbohydrates so what are you going to do and they'll usually list off to me the most carb dense things they can think of when it comes to their meal options that they've you know practiced in training or are comfortable having they'll list off some snacks i'll kind of say okay Well, that's going to get you to about 250 grams of carbohydrates. So how are we going to get to 600 from there? And they're usually like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? (laughs) I'm already exhausting my options. I already feel like this is more food than I'm used to eating. So this is really something that takes practice. And if you can't quite hit that carb gram, you know, recommendation that I said, like that 10 to 12 grams per kilogram it's okay, just just work your way up to it. You know, try to eat more than you did last time. Try to keep getting your body used to the process of carbo loading because it can be a bit forced feeling and a bit uncomfortable for a lot of people. And if you have any barriers around your mindset around food, it can make things even harder for you. So, you know, just kind of working your way up if you're currently, you know, if you're eating two hundred and fifty grams of carbohydrates, for example, and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, this feels like so many carbohydrates, You know, maybe next time try to get to 300 and then next time try to get to 350 and slowly increase your way up until you've met the bare minimum of what's recommended. So a lot of the times after this happens with a client, they're like, yeah, I I don't know how I'm going to do that. Help. (laughs) Um, I'll kind of state some tips that might help them depending on what's most realistic, which could be, you know doing less fiber, doing less protein and getting just more of your calories from carbs. And again, we're talking about a day or two. We're not talking about changing your whole diet around because a lot of the times people will say, Oh, that doesn't sound that good. (laughs) Um, but it's just a day you can do it. Um, so a lot of the times we'll talk about that, or we'll talk about getting their carbohydrates from liquid sources. Um, like sports drinks and juices and those types of things. Or we'll talk about just eating really frequently throughout the day so that they're not ever eating large quantities of food in one sitting and getting too full too early. And this is why, too, it can be helpful to start carbo-loading two to three days in advance so that you can do it a bit more gradually. Today's episode of the Holly Field Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Scratch Labs. Now, this is a resurfaced episode that we have tweaked and added some more information to, but one thing that has not changed since I aired this episode a couple years ago is my love for Scratch Labs. I was using it back then. I'm still using it now. My marathon and half marathon PRs are several minutes faster now, and you know what? They were fueled by Scratch Labs back then and now. So, great products really stand the test of time. They really stand, um, the results really speak for themselves in in my opinion. So what is Scratch Labs? Scratch Labs is a pretty amazing hydration company. Um, They have a variety of products such as hydration sports drink powders. Um, They have a super carb powder and also other electrolyte and recovery powders as well. They've got chews that you can use to fuel your long runs and they've got bars as well in addition to so many other amazing products. So if you want to get your hands on my favorite sports drink of my choice, you can head over to the link in the show notes and use code holly20 that's h o l l e y 20 at checkout to save 20% off your scratch labs purchase my personal favorite to use during my long runs especially and during basically all of my races is the Scratch Labs Hydration Powder in Strawberry Lemonade. It's my absolute favorite flavor. I'm also a really big fan of the Pineapple Hydration Powder as well. So I hope you go try something that I know will fuel you super well, whether you are carb loading, tapering, and needing some liquid carbohydrates in your life, like we're talking about on today's episode, or if you're looking for a new product to try to fuel your runs. Now let's get back to the show. So in terms of summarizing our taper nutrition here, typically we want to maintain normal adequate calorie intake. Um, We want to increase the percent of our calories that come from carbohydrates, especially in the two to three days pre-marathon using tried and true methods that we've practiced in training. That could be 10 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight for a proper carbo load per day. Note that glycogen is stored with water and that can make you feel fluffy and that can be a good thing. So if you've arrived to the start line of your marathon, feeling a little fluffy, you're doing it right. Good job. You're going to use those glycogen stores. Um, you're going to still need to fuel that run with, you know, fueling on the run strategies, but you're going to have topped off glycogen stores and you're going to be able to actually get to your destination. Um, there have been some studies on like fat adapted marathoners because people will often say, well, if fat breaks down into energy or ATP, it breaks down into, you know, 107 ATP versus the 29 to 38 ATP that we get from carbohydrates. But know that the fat oxidation process is typically a lot slower. Um, if you are fat adapted, your fat oxidation process is a little bit more efficient, but it's still much slower than an adapted carb oxidation process. So there's some studies to show that if we were just fat adapted, you know, that marathon may take you six hours, you know, off of that energy um, versus, you know, doing more carbohydrates and being able to run a marathon faster. So if you're someone who is going for a really long time, five, six hours plus, um, or maybe you're doing an ultra race and you're not trying to really push the intensity at all, you're just out there to see how much time you can spend on your feet, know that carbohydrates are still going to be important, but there is going to be a little bit of nuance to this carbo-loading recommendation during your taper, depending on what you've been practicing and what works for you during your training. But if your goal is to really hammer a marathon or a half marathon and run it as fast as you're physically capable, um, then carbo-loading is going to be really important for you. And also we wanna think about hydration. So we wanna be well hydrated throughout our taper. It's also gonna help us recover properly like we're supposed to be doing during our taper. And I also recommend typically making sure you're really hydrated well the day or two before your goal race, so that you're arriving to the day of your goal race in a state of you hydration or being optimally hydrated, meaning you've taken in plenty of fluid and you've also maybe sodium loaded a little bit the day before. Typically, I'll recommend and I'll practice myself too, someone take at least one serving of electrolytes the day before their goal race, um, even if they didn't sweat that day, even if it's not hot out. um, But just making sure that we are properly, you know, sodium loaded. Um, There are some studies to show in men and women that just arriving in a state of you hydration or being, you know, Properly hydrated can be helpful. So, again, we don't just want to take electrolytes and not drink enough water because that wouldn't be proper hydration. We want to make sure we're doing both. So, typically, <clears throat> that can look like half your body weight in ounces in water or more. Um, for most people, that's probably going to be like an 80 to 100 ounce range that's really serving them best. We also might want to consider reducing our fiber intake in the few days pre race. So, for some people, I actually have to have them really cut out fiber, you know, from vegetables, um, or you know, even just reducing their fiber intake by cooking their vegetables, um, not doing anything raw, doing you know, fruits that don't upset their stomach, switching from whole grains to refined grains um, to reduce their fiber intake. You know, in a week leading up to the race, or sometimes it's just for the day before. It depends on the person, but this is something to consider as well if you're more prone to GI distress. Hydration is really important to consider as well if you're prone to GI distress, because one of the biggest contributors to that is actually dehydration. So making sure you're well hydrated and making sure that you have less fiber in your life might be helpful. Um, Someone could also consider, you know, increasing the inflammatory, or I'm sorry, anti-inflammatory foods in their diet in the first week or two of the taper. Again, some of these foods are going to actually be higher in fiber and complexity and maybe would contraindicate what I just said about digestion. So focusing on these things, you know, in the first week or two of your taper and then the week of your race, you know, not worrying too much about focusing on these, but, and then definitely focusing on them the week after your race, (laughs) but things like, you know, omega-3 rich foods like salmon, Nuts, seeds, sardines, tuna, um, doing like magnesium rich foods like nuts and seeds, whole grains or dark leafy greens. You could also do antioxidant rich foods like, you know, berries, tart cherry juice, beets um, and consuming plenty of quality protein with your meals and snacks and still, you know, using that pre and post run fueling strategy that you've been practicing all training, even if your runs are shorter than they used to be. This is still important. This is not the time to skimp on the calories. Something else that can actually be really helpful, um, is creatine. So again, I don't necessarily recommend doing this if you've never taken it before in your training. Um, but creatine loading, can be helpful for power and speed. Um, it's not necessarily as helpful for endurance. Um, but it can be helpful from feeling like your muscles have enough strength in them to perform well. So this is something that may not necessarily hurt a person. Um, but it's definitely not necessary either. Creatine can be found in animal products. Basically meats are the highest in creatine, or you can do a NSF or informed choice certified supplement where You know, it's free of any banned substances. What's actually in the ingredients is also represented on the ingredients list. That's what these seals mean. Um, So, taking typically between three and six grams of creatine per day can be helpful when it comes to um, muscle power and speed. So, this is something that you may consider implementing in your peak weeks of training and throughout the taper and pre race. Keep in mind too, creatine is also stored with a little bit of water, so you may experience a little bit of increase on the scale from creatine as well. Um, When it comes to that, all the more reason to stay away from the scale if this is something that's triggering to you. Furthermore, to consider in your taper nutrition is, of course, getting adequate sleep and recovery, since that's the main purpose here. And things that may help with that are decreasing your alcohol and caffeine intake. So this is kind of a controversial topic and it really does depend on the person, but typically alcohol can be dehydrating. So, I mean, definitely avoid binge drinking or, you know, having alcohol in place of enough calories from food. You know, if it's taking up space in your diet where it You know, you could be reserving that space for high quality foods to help you recover. um, Then that would be helpful. But some people do choose to reduce their alcohol intake in the taper and especially reduce it in the week leading up to their race. While other people may find, you know, a glass of wine, one serving of alcoholic beverage, which would be a glass of wine, you know, about six ounce glass of wine, 12 ounces of beer or a shot um can help them you know relax and go to sleep but typically more than that threshold actually can interfere with our sleep our hydration and our recovery so it's a pretty fine line to walk um i personally have done both where i've had alcohol in my taper and then periods of time where i haven't really had alcohol in my taper And I find the biggest difference is when I just avoid it for the week or two before my race. Um, That seems to make a really big difference for me personally. Um, But typically, if I'm not someone who's going to avoid it like all of my marathon training, um, that's just not my jam. But if it is yours, that's cool too. just know that it can be dehydrating and impact sleep and recovery if it's over that one drink per night um, threshold. Caffeine is kind of in the same boat. So there's a point where it's an ergogenic aid and it can help our performance. There's also a point where it can mess with our gut health, um, cause GI distress, increase our anxiety and affect our sleep in a negative way. (laughs) So, you know, if you're, you know, kind of in the, the average person, you want to really, you know, aim for below about three to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day at baseline, um, If you're someone who responds really well to caffeine in training, like you have some coffee in the morning and you feel like your runs are awesome, you don't have any GI distress, you can take caffeine, you know, sources of gels during your runs and you feel awesome and it doesn't cause GI distress. Um, Some people find that if they kind of omit caffeine a couple days before their race, this can actually increase the positive effects of caffeine during their race. But again, this is something I'd recommend trying in training first because some people can also experience caffeine withdrawal headaches (laughs) um, and also experience GI distress if it's kind of reintroduced in a dramatic way. So it's something I'd practice and play with, but know that there is some anecdotal evidence um, to that. If you're someone who's sensitive to caffeine and it doesn't affect you well, definitely avoid it in your taper period so that you can really maximize your gut health and sleep recovery. I really hope that this was helpful. Um, We talked about a lot of information here in rapid fire form. Um, Hopefully you are feeling more confident about what to do during your taper, what not to do during your taper when it comes to nutrition. And if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram through the messenger feature or reach out to me via email, um, which is hsamuel at hollyfieldnutrition.com. If you are looking for even more support with your nutrition during your race season, your taper and beyond as well, my runner roadmap course is currently open for enrollment. You can check that out at the link in the show notes. Good luck tapering, everyone. Good luck in your race. Eat plenty of carbohydrates and happy running. we mm-hmm.